Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Having a good week, buddy? Been a, been a busy week. I'm enjoying it. I like doing what I do, so it's been good. good. You? Yeah, it's been a bit of a blur. <laughs> you don't sound real confident in that answer, I'm just saying. Did you have a good week? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you hiding, Ross? Not much Come on. I'm trying to remember what I've been doing. It's been just all those small tasks that just seem like you're not getting anything done, but lots of them. So I guess I'm getting things done. Not an overly productive week, I feel, but I think I've done it. I've done something. <laughs> I've been working. <laughs> I've been busy. Yes, exactly. So I think it was the last show we were talking about referral spam, and, and I posted a, a link to the uh, article on referral spam that we mentioned. And you know, it got some good feedback from our, our community, as always, on Google+. And I thought, you know what? It's time to invoke the Mueller. I had to call him. Call him out. Go, John. John invoke, Mueller. Invoke the Mueller. <laughs> Anyway, John, being the awesome guy he is, he came on, and, and uh, this is what he had to say. Because really what I wanted to say is, what is going on with Google Analytics? This has got to be something that's on their radar. I am getting so many of my clients is getting inundated with this referral spam, and it's clogging up all of their data. And this has got to be rampant. You know, Obviously, I've only got a small smattering of the web here I'm working with here, but if 90% of them are seeing this, there must be everywhere. Anyway, his answer was this. Quote, I know the analytics team has this on their radar, but I don't know what the current status is. In the meantime, I just use the filters that others have posted about. I know the analytics team has this on their radar, but I don't know what the current... Yeah, for some reason I posted it again. Anyway. Because <laughs> you're really excited about it, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading because I'm a robot. In any case... The problem is that these filters aren't the simplest thing to implement. Yes, it is simple just to add one site at a time, but that's not really very feasible considering the fact there's hundreds of these sites that are doing this referral spam. I don't know. And, I, and as you mentioned last time we talked about this, they change all the time too because as soon as one gets blocked and they realize it's blocked, they find another one. So it's, it's an ongoing battle. To try to block yeah. those. Yeah, groups. and as an example, they're using subdomains. So they only have to buy one domain. So it might be, and I guess you could just block that domain, but let's say spammer.com. So site1.spammer.com, site2, site3, site4, all the way up to whatever, whatever they want to stop. <laughs> and and th those are all the refers. And they can just keep sending gobs of them. At any rate, it's something that needs to be uh, addressed ASAP. I'm sure it's going to be more in the news as this gets worse because. It's rendering Google Analytics really quite weak. And, and as far as all the, oh, every single group must be facing this, actually, come to think of it. I wonder what clicks and all these other analytics platforms are doing about it. I don't know. So it's interesting. You said that. So I went, I went to see what was on spammer.com and it's for sale. <laughs> there you go. And, and all the related links, when you park a domain, they'll put up like a, a landing page with a bunch of links. And every one of them is about email. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and not referrals. Oh, there you go. I wonder what the slang in the black hat industry is for referral spam. Referral spam can't be it. It's got to have to be some smart-ass name. Anyway, I have, I have no idea. Interesting. <laughs> now, you, then your next piece of news is, is about the local three-pack. First, I'll let you introduce it. Then I've got a, a point of, to make on it. So go ahead. Okay, well, well, first of all, I think we talked about this a little bit last time also. This month, Google kind of is making some changes to how local search results are appearing. They switched from a, a seven-pack. We're all used to seeing seven sites on that map and with the, little, with the little pins on them. Now it's down to three. So your seven-pack has become a three-pack pretty much globally. They have been testing it off and on, but now it's pretty much the norm. SEO Clarity did a study, and they found that 93% of the time in search results that that SEO or that local three pack is above the organic results. So it's at the top SERPs in that page, which is really interesting to me because if that is absolutely, if that's true and that's going to remain that way for small local businesses, anybody who's doing a lot of local marketing online, this is critical for you. If you're not doing local search optimization, you're never going to rank above those three packs and those three packs are always going to get a larger percentage of the traffic than you do. So it's, it's a really interesting thing to me. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hearing what you have to say about it, Ross. Yeah. Well, it, you know, a three pack at the top of the results. I mean, yes, of course it's going to be big and, and I'm already getting clients a little bit stressed out to say the least. Cause you know, you know, we were so happy. Hey, we got you in the, th- in the, in the seven pack. It's looking good. We're moving you up. We're going to get you to the fourth spot. And Oh, there's yeah. no fourth spot anymore. <laughs> It's a very, very uh, uncomfortable situation for everyone. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, how many times has Google changed this pack? <laughs> well, well, let's put it this way. To me, <laughs> there hasn't been a fourth spot for over a year now, right? So if, if, if and, and nothing against you, Ross, but if you've been yeah, focusing on, for, if you've been focusing on the seven pack and trying to get your clients in the seven pack, you're missing half the traffic because mobile <laughs> only has a three pack and they exactly. only show three at a time. And we know now that, you know, more than 50% of searches on mobile devices. So the three pack, and it makes sense for me that the desktop is going to a three pack too, because we know Google's trying to make everything the same on the both experiences, right? It makes it easier for them and it makes it easier for your users. So and the other thing to think about is if it's a if it's a competitive search, you're going to have three ads, then three local pack results at the top. Organic search is not even going to be above the full in most browsers. It's critical that, that if you're relying on local search that you get this optimization done and get in that three pack. Yeah, no other way to put it. It's a bitch. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> only three people can get in there, right? Duh. But I mean, that's that's insane competition. Now, I do, anyway. I always click, well, I'd say not always, maybe 50% of the time I click for more results because I'm not going to just trust that first three. Come on, three is not much. And just because they got to the top of rankings, that doesn't mean much in some regards to me because I know, well, obviously I'm... I have a bit more knowledge than the average person in this area, but I don't believe necessarily that means they're the best. And I never click on more results. So even though I know as much as you do about this stuff, it's just habit, right? To me, it's like click efficiency. Here's three of them. I can look and you know quickly and kind of evaluate what I see there better than the average person can, but I'm not going to click more results to do that because yeah. I, I don't have time. And that would probably be the average, to say the least. So I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, we're just we're going to work our ass off and try and get our clients up in there. But it's become exceptionally difficult to get the exposure that they need when you have this kind of a, a footprint to work okay. with. 
I guarantee there's two or three blog posts out there that people were in the middle of writing that they have to stop and completely rewrite now because they can't say SEO is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) SEO isn't dead. Is dead indeed. No, I don't think so. And and you know, yes, of course, like I said, you don't need the website, but when it comes right down to it, there's a lot of optimization involved in getting your Google Plus pages ranked and, and you know, you got to get the reviews. It is different, though. It is much different. Yeah, it is. And like you said, it's going to be much more competitive now. And, and people that don't do this stuff for a living on a regular basis are going to have a much harder time doing it on their own. So SEOs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> As if we doubted it. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a quick break. and we come back, uh, got some more great news to share. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Shopping for the best e-commerce tips, tricks, and techniques? Looking for better ways to push your product out of your online store? Watch your shopping cart overflow because you've found the e-com experts. The e-com experts show you what you need to know to be a successful online retailer. Learn their search marketing strategies, their web marketing wisdom, and their calculated conversion measures. Ecom Experts, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, what's up? Google Direct Answers. Right, so there's a really interesting article in Search Engine Land, um, authored by Glenn Gabe. Great guy. He actually was uh, didn't live too far from me and when I was in New Jersey years, a couple of years ago. Heard him speak at some local meetups. Really good guy. He's been doing a lot of good work on search engine land recently. But he did a study. He had a client that had some direct answers. And if we just so we understand what we're talking about, the direct answers are if you go in and say, what is Abraham Lincoln's birthday? Google will now tell you what it is instead of giving you a bunch of links. And sometimes, many times, they will reference the source where they got the information. Sometimes they won't, right? And if you give a client and you get one of those direct answers for a question and they reference you, it can drive a ton of traffic to your site. He had a client that was getting that and it was getting like 
30,000 clicks coming in, visitors coming in from Google over a few month period of time off of this one keyword phrase because they had a direct answer. Well, all of a sudden that traffic disappeared because a competitor came in and took that direct answer from him. And now the competitor who came out of nowhere apparently went from nowhere to rank number two for the search phrase in a matter of just a few months and then also took that direct answer reference. And so he was really concerned why this happened. So he did a really detailed study about the differences between the two pages that were being referred to on that direct answer. There's a ton of great information in there about what made a difference and what didn't. I didn't put enough notes in here to talk about those differences. I will tell you some things I remember off the top of my head. Social signals didn't seem to have any difference because the one that was replaced had a lot more social signals than the new one. It seemed to me from, from this article that structure of the content on the page made much more of a difference than anything other than any of those off-site like social or or backlink profiles, any of this stuff. It was more on-site things that made a difference in whether you got that, that answers position or not. It's a great read. I, I definitely suggest you go and look about look it up. Something to think about if you're doing SE40 for a client is, hey, this is a good source of traffic. How do I get my clients up there? And if they do get them up there, how do I help them stay up there? It's another piece of the SEO puzzle we should be focusing on and focus on more and more as it becomes more and more prevalent. And in this case, he mentioned that the site that beat his client out seemed to use a better approach in terms of the on-page navigation for the actual, let's say, the blog or the piece of information. In this case, the person had begun the blog with named anchors that allowed you to jump to each section of the page to you know, make it easier to get around. In his case, uh, his client's page, which was doing really well and had the featured snippet before, and that's what this is called, was basically paragraph-driven. It, it didn't have that sort of simple table of contents feel. And if there's one thing that Google is about, it, it at least attempts to be about, is providing the best user experience. And if you've got a bookmark based navigation on a page, I guess that's something that Google is finding more successful for users. And mm-hmm. it's something I, mean, I used to love doing. I've, I've got a little lazy. I haven't done it as much now, but I think it is a, a, a nice way to, to be able to get to the point when you're on a page. Yeah, and I've been, I've been shying away from doing that over the years because you tend to, when you have those the list of topics at the top of a page and then you link down to the content related to those topics lower in the page, you tend to end up diluting the topic and the targeting of a page overall when you do that. So I've been kind of shying away from that and telling people not to do that. It's really common in FAQ pages, right? Where you have a bunch of list questions listed at the top and you click it and it goes down to the answer. It's hard to target a page when you're trying to cover a bunch of different topics in the FAQ page, right? This one, I think, I would assume most of the topics were similar in nature in that list and not too diversified. That's the thing I think. The other thing about that article that intrigued me that is that neither of those two sites use schema, and there was no schema had it. The schema had zero impact on getting that direct answers or that yeah. rich, that rich snippet. But as he says, I mean, it's certainly not something you would avoid using. Oh um, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something you want to build in, I and mean, maybe it would provide that extra kick. It's certainly conceivable, considering that Google is obviously paying more attention to the schemas, and you know, there's also. Sort of other search engines out there. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think if it wasn't in his article, it was another one I read recently. There is actually a way to go in and do analysis through. It might be the one that that uh, Moz just bought. Serpscape. Have you ever used Serpscape? No. So Serpscape does a lot of analysis of 
like every other tool like this. We've got hundreds of thousands of keywords that we study the search results for. But but I think, don't quote me on this, that there's a way to go in and look to see if a site has some of these answers, if they're, if they're being picked up as a direct answer to direct questions. Um, and I, he might have talked about some of that article as well as how to check that for your site. Interesting. Well, I'm going to spend a little more time and read through it completely. I think it's a very interesting topic. And I think everyone else uh, listening, if you have a chance, go to it and check it out. The uh, title of the article is, and it is Swapped Out, Losing a direct a Google Direct Answer. And it's a case study. Anyway, that's on Search Engine Land and written by Glenn Gabe. Thanks yeah, for the to- point there. We ought to get Glenn on the show sometime. Really smart guy. Does a lot of great research. Kind of like Stefan Spencer does. He really analyzes stuff really well. Hmm. He'd, be, he'd be a good guy to talk to. No doubt. Yeah, I haven't actually had the benefit of meeting him, so I'd love to. All right. What's next here? Uh, interesting how this comes up occasionally. Um, Google is now saying very specifically, and though it's not specific, it's in their own specific, non-specific way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that they're only crawling links from pages that return a 200 OK in the header response, right? So redirected pages, which are 301 or 302s, are not going to crawl those links. But this really came about because someone was asking about the difference between a 404 page and a soft 404 page. So we're clear, a 404 page is, of course, the page doesn't exist, and it returns a 404 response. And you can see this if you go into your Webmaster Tools account. They give you a list of all your 404s they're finding, and they chart how often they find them. Really great, great tool in there. But they also give you a list in Webmaster Tools of your soft 404s. And soft 404s are basically a page that should be 404'd, but is actually returning a 200 OK, right? And to me, that's amazing that they can figure that out because, you know, some of them are going to be obvious, but some of them are going to be, how did you know that was supposed to be a 404, but it's not really, right? But they actually they actually chart this out at Webmaster Tools, too. They'll show you uh, the soft 404s they're finding and how often they're finding them, and they chart that out as well. But the question was, well, we know you're not going to follow links on 404s pages because they don't exist. But soft 404 pages actually have a page that exists because it's returning a 200 OK. Do you follow those links? And again, this is Mr. Mueller. Uh, no, was it Mr. Mueller? No, it was um, um, Gary Isles. Is that how you pronounce his name? Isles? That's what I call Yeah. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. On Twitter, he was talking to somebody and he said, no, as far as I know, we do not follow those. Well, and you know what? It's probably a reaction, partly, to the fact that a lot of people just aren't doing anything about it. They've been notified about these software wars forever. And well, Google's like, all right, we're simply not going to index them. Frankly, I'd be surprised if they don't just remove, well, I guess there's no harm in leaving them there. But, you know, Google, they, at some point, they just get fed up and go, look, don't do this anymore or else. <laughs> in a very in their very subtle, politically correct tone. <laughs> and, and I have to correct myself. I was right the first time it was John Mueller. And it, just to read what he said, someone had asked very specifically, does Google crawl links found in non-200 pages, 404, 500? Just want to make sure. Thank you. John's response was no, not that I know of. With soft 404s, it's harder though because we have to notice that they're soft 404s. It's still kind of up in the air, but just basically, I would say don't count on any links from anything other than a regular 200 OK page to, to have any kind of impact for you whatsoever. <laughs> I love the first comment, very SEO nerdy. What if the 301 happens in a forest and no one is there to hear it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, geez. Ah, such nerds we are. Anyways. That would, that, would, that would be a soft 301. 
<laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> a very soft three to one. Okay. With that said, you know what? I've got a big piece of info to share with everyone. So let's take a quick break so we can just focus on it and we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Welcome to LPO. LPO. Landing page optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. LPO, landing page optimization. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Okay, class. Take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, on our Google Plus community forum, we had a great question. How to protect your content? And what it came down to was Craig Moore and Jackie Bess. Bess, I'm sorry, Jackie, I hope I have that right. We're kind of curious. They, they'd love to know that as a topic, what other tools for searching out copyright theft and duplicate content are there? And that's from Craig. So I said, sure, I'll do my best and put something together. And I did. <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? Real quick, just before you get too deep into it, is this specific about finding people who are stealing your content or replicating it, or is this about actually protecting your content from people who want to take it and republish it? Well, from what I understand, it's searching out copyright theft and duplicate content. Okay, um, just want to make and sure. Dealing, and I took it as in dealing with it, okay? So what options are out there? It was pretty intense, and there's a lot of options out there. It's, it's a way to make money, so as you know, everyone comes out with their, everyone comes out of the woodwork to build something. And, and there were some real gar garbage sites I just avoided. My first one, I'm only mentioning it because I thought it had some very interesting capabilities, was Myos, uh, is how you say it, although it looks like my owls. <laughs> my, okay. so M-Y-O-W-S. Meows. Uh, 
Yeah. So it's probably tied uh, to cats somehow. <laughs> yeah. The idea is it's my original works. So yeah. what they do is they offer a service where you can create records of ownership for original works and then manage any disputes that you find. So they're not actually searching for you. But if you find someone using your content, they will allow you to, well, their, their system will allow you to manage the dispute. You can send cease and desist letters. They have everything pre-formatted, everything ready to go. You can manage it through this. And you, since you upload your content, that's how you start it off, you have to actually upload your content to their system. They'll time date stamp it. They'll prove that at this time, this date, this moment in time, you created this content, you upload it to their system. It's pretty hard for anyone to argue against that. Then they can assist you with their systems in having those that piece of content taken down off um, sites that may be copying it. There's nothing else, though. They don't do anything else. There's no discovery process. It's up to you. Price is about uh, 9 bucks per month for 27 original works per month being checked and monitored. Or checks, I shouldn't say. There is no monitoring. And or 100 original works per month for $24. And I gather that's just you can keep adding 27 per month or 100 per month until whenever. You, know, you're gonna, you can have thousands ultimately. It's just a place to prove that you did originally make it and then how to manage it. The next one is StopWebPirates.com. Now, Stop Web Pirates, kind of an awful looking site. Sorry, guys, just kind of basic. But anyway, I gave it a chance, and I'm glad I did because it was a little more of the manual process, which I appreciate from an SEL's perspective. I'm not a big fan of automation. So I like the fact that although it's only one article, let's say you put up one piece of content. It could be an image. It could be, and I should note that about all of these, it could be anything, not just content. It can be, or not just one type of content. There can be images, Heck, audio, PDFs, ebooks, video, anything. What you can do is upload one to their system, and for as little as $75 per month for that one piece of content, they will aggressively monitor for any misuse of that content. And then they will manage up to four takedowns per month. In other words, they will contact the people, say, you are in pass along the cease and desist, and try and have those taken down up to four times per month. If you've do, got do lots you, of them already out there, that can you take a while. Real quick question. Do you know, I know you've got a couple more to cover. Do you know if these sites are backed by real lawyers? I mean, when someone sends a cease and desist in your name, is it a real lawyer sending it? How does that work? Did you get into that much detail? To a degree, I did. I mean, I, 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 when I read them, in many cases, I said, if this gets anything more legal, we have a company we recommend. So in other words, they don't. They've probably got these very well templated. They've got a process that has just enough scare in it, probably address many of the issues that are out there. But if someone ignores you and doesn't take down that content, you might have to go from a legal perspective farther or give up. It's up to you. I guess I should take a pause before I get to the next two and really explain why this is important. First of all, obviously, if you've written, spent a lot of time creating content, you want to make sure that, that content is protected. You don't want anyone else to take the credit for it. But from an SEO perspective, what does it mean? Does it mean that you're if someone copies your content and posts it on their, on their site, that your site is harmed? It's a big question, isn't it? I mean, in many, many cases, no. It's just them using your content. Google's probably already noticed, noted that you created the content first time. Unless your site is very weak and brand new, then yes, uh, it's possible they could win credit for it. What are your thoughts on the subject, John? It is a big one, isn't it? It is. And there's some intricacies that you have to take into consideration, too. You know, is it really a bad thing if someone scrapes your site and republishes it and includes things like links and 
you know, there's people that actually count on that. Do you put other nofollows in the header that are also getting scraped? Are there, excuse me, relical canonicals in the header is what I meant to say. There's a lot of things about this that I'm not sure how much time I would put into it unless it was specifically about the content itself, not necessarily the SEO impact on people taking it unless I had a very specific issue where someone was able to take my content and outrank me for my own content. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it could be impactful. You could make a difference to your site, but it's not going to affect everybody, not even a majority of people, I don't think. Yeah, it's, I would say, becoming less and less important to, or a, a less a concern. I mean, there are examples, I think, uh, and certainly in the past, where the Huffington Post has gotten some grief because, of course, they mostly republish content because they pretty much stole the thunder from someone else. I don't think anyone would be that upset anymore though Huffington Post quoted them as long as they linked back to them. And, and I think they're pretty good about that now. Well, you can tie this, you can tie this back to our uh, earlier story in the show. What if Google Answers took your content and used that as an answer? Right. Sometimes they link back. Sometimes they don't. If they linked back, I'd be like, more power to you. Go for it. Take as much as you want. But if they didn't, then it's like, well, I don't know if I like that. Right. But then mm -hmm. again, Google has to consider, is it a copyrighted piece before they publish it? Right. So they're usually in their answer section. They're only trying to find content that's general knowledge. Right. So if you're writing about the example you used earlier, what is it? Abraham Lincoln's birthday. You can't copyright that. It's, it's his birthday. Right, So that's the kind of information they're going to have for answers. Again, it's one of those things where it's going to be very specific to your individual situation. Yeah, and each of the, the sites that were at least well-written were very clear to say that you shouldn't be entering content that should be free for public use. There's no point in that. That'll just probably backfire on you, right? If you're trying to get people to remove stuff that's public-based, well, good luck. Now, you know, with all this said, I really wanted to get focused on what would be a good service for bloggers. Let's say I'm looking for a service for my site. Not in this case, but if I was. So I came down to two different sites that I hadn't seen before. Copyscape, first of all, is the most common one. I haven't got it noted here, ironically, because I guess I've used it so much. Copyscape allows you to take a piece of text, plunk it in their system, and it will look online for anyone that uses that text and help you identify any duplication. You can then take it under your own wing and, and deal with it. And you have to buy credits a certain amount of credits. And thus this has changed. I didn't check it in this instance. But the last I used it, you had to buy a certain amount of credits and they would do this check for you. You can pay them to do it on a regular basis as well. Now, that said, Copyscape being probably the most common one. This next one I thought was pretty cool. It's called iCopyright. I as in, you know, classic iPhone thing. iCopyright.com. And they have a, a tool for bloggers, if not the whole site. I've looked at too many of these things. But what it does is you can use a free toolbar, which is built in, you can have immediately added through plugin, whatever you'd like, uh, WordPress or Joomla and all these different places, or you can enter it as code that will protect each piece of content in a way by having that toolbar embedded below the content or wherever you would like to put it, just like any share bar on a page. Now, when you try and share, it's a little bit different. It'll outline the sharing options along with paid options. Let's say you want to share it to your website. It'll say shared website. Click on that. Then it'll start outlining what you need to do if you want to share it or copy it to your website. Sharing alone is obviously no cost or anything like that, but it does help you track that. And if you're going to copy the content, it gives a bit of an outline of what can be done and what can't be done. And will even outline expenses if you wanted to do a, a little more uh, use of the content that could be 
against the rules. Anyway, the, the actual tool is free, but what, where they're making their money is a discovery service. So once you've got the system in place, yes, your content's being tracked to a degree, but if you want to track down illegal uses of your copy, so actually monitor it, they have a free for 30 day policy. And then after that, it's a minimum of $6 per month. I couldn't see what that included. You can find anything online immediately. Probably a lot more than that and very quickly. It's all about frequency of checks and how much content, etc. The next one, GuardLex, so Guard and then L-E-X, kind of made me chuckle. It's 65 bucks per year. They scan monthly and provide reports to third-party sites that are using your content. But what made me laugh was the video. I like to watch the video because it gives me a bit of a quick overview of what they do. This video had some serious scare tactics in it that SEOs would just <laughs> chuckle at. Like It said literally... Even if you were the first to publish the content, you could get a penalty from Google and have your site completely removed if someone else copied the content. You know. <laughs> no. No, that does not happen. That was just one example of a few definite Haven't, haven't you heard of negative SEO, Ross? Come on. That's, that's, <laughs> negative SEO is alive and well. Yes. Well, I guess if they talked about the extreme avenues of negative SEO, that might have worked, but not this. In any case... They'll handle any takedown issues for you if that report they provide has anything in there that you want taken down. So it looks like it wouldn't be too bad. I definitely take have some objection to their marketing efforts using some misinformation there. But, oh, well, maybe they're not up to speed on that stuff. Give them so, the benefit of the doubt. So I noticed that you didn't, do, you didn't list the do-it-yourself version of this where you don't have to pay anybody. Yeah, there you go. So How would you proceed with that? There you go. The easiest way to do this if you're on a budget is go to your content, find a couple sentences that are very unique to that content. And then in the middle of the first one to the middle of the second one, copy those sentences, right? Then go to Google Alerts and then do a Google Alert for any time anybody's using that unique piece of words that don't even form a real sentence. And then Google will tell you whenever they find someone using your copy for free. Yeah, there you go. And if you want to do an immediate search, just Put that content in quotes in Google search. Yep, exactly. Simple. You're free. It doesn't to offer any of these tools for helping <laughs> you manage them, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, that's really the simplest way to go. To give this uh, site credit, it's called Writer Beware. They had a great write up on this. Quote unquote, do you really need copyright protection? It goes right into this. It says copyright protection service, another one you don't need. And it gets into why it's really unnecessary to do this and how it could be quite ineffective. And you may be just paying for. Nothing, really. A lot of these sites, for example, say that they've got professionals on staff. Well, what are these professionals? They never mention anything about them. Are these just, I don't know, some offshore company with people who are just walking in the door and doing some quote checks within Google? Quite possibly. Now, the one thing he did mention that they mentioned in this article, which is very true, is if anyone is in the States, so U.S.-based sites, are required by law to respond to DMCA notices. Now, DMCA starts our Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown notices. So if you fill one out and send these to a website, by law, they have to reply. That's got more teeth than anything. You can send those to Google as well. And they have, a, I can't remember the name of the site. I'll have to look it up. But they have a site dedicated to these Millennium Copyright takedown notices. And you can track the ones that you've submitted to Google, once Google has received about you if, you, if they think you're duplicating content. It's a pretty complex process, let's put it that way. I mean, you can have content removed from Google. Just type in removing content from Google and you'll be taken to a place and 
and it'll uh, put you through sort of a checklist of form, a checklist form. I don't remember the exact site you're mentioning about, but I know you can find it through Google as well. All right. Well, with that said, let's get to a uh, question here. I think we've covered all the topics there. Anything you wanted I to think, know? No, no, I think so too. And it's an interesting question as well, so I'd love to get to it. Yeah, so it's a question from David Blaine. Thank you, David. I know you've asked a few great questions over the years. It says, has anyone here ever gone 100% nofollow to all external linking blog links as a policy on your site? If so, was it a good SEO decision? So first things first here, uh, John, what is nofollow and what the heck is he talking about? I don't know. What are you talking about? No, no follow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, if you're not familiar with no follow, basically that's a, it's some code you can put wrap around a link on your site. So any link on your site, whether it's to an internal page or an external page, you can basically do rel equals no follow. And that tells the search engines that this link is not to be trusted as a link, as a, as a vote towards this site I'm linking to if it's an offsite thing. So because you don't like, trust it. Because we don't trust it. So it's a real good way if you want to prevent yourself from getting busted for selling links. Any links that are on your site that you don't want to pass link juice to another site, you put this nofollow around it. This question is basically saying, what if I did that to all the links going off of my site? If I never sent any link juice anywhere? Is that how you're reading it, Ross? That's right. So if you're going to do that, and there were some good comments on this, and pretty much, well, that's pretty much what we're going to say. If you're doing 100% nofollow, you're saying that no link from your site is trustworthy from your site externally or that you can't trust any link you're passing. And I think that's not a very good idea. I think it's very good to send people to trusted sites. It shows that you've done some research, that you are putting your, your, yourself behind the content that you've written. I don't believe nofollows everywhere is a good idea at all. I mean, there are other, other reasons why, but in short, that's the simplest answer. When I first read this question, my immediate thought went back to the early days of SEO. In the early <laughs> days of trying to optimize for Google. And Page one of the things sculpting? We, well, no, even before that, one of the things we used to talk about in the very, very early days was Google does not like dead-end sites. Because people used to think all the time, why do I don't want to send traffic away from my site. Why am I putting links to other people's sites? Right? Had nothing to do with link juice. People just didn't want the traffic to leave. And we talked about how the, the search engines don't like a site that's a dead end. You go there and you can't go anywhere else. And this to me seems like the modern day version of a dead end site. It's like I want to keep all of these resources to myself and not send people to other valuable resources. When before it was, we're not going to send people to valuable resources because we're not going to create links. Now it's we're not going to send people to valuable resources because we are telling you that none of the resources we're sending people to are valuable. Right? Yeah. Same thing. <clears throat> well, good. Here we go. Thank you for the question, David. I think very good question. I think it's something that people consider a lot, especially those that are a little fearful of linking out. So hopefully that will change their minds and create a little slightly richer internet. There we go. Uh, look at us just making huge waves. And, and think about all the really good <laughs> popular sites out there, the ones that are seen as authorities and the, the, the experts in their spaces. They are hubs for those communities in those niches and people go there because they know they can find the answer to what they're looking for, whether it be on that site. If not, they're pretty sure that site is going to point them to where they need to go. That's why that site has so much strength and so much authority because they're the hub, the resource that people go to. Perfect ending to a fantastic show. <laughs> <laughs> well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing and John Carcutt, the director of SEO and social media for Advanced Digital. Thank you for joining us today. 
you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google Plus. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every Wednesday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It takes two vaccines to help protect you this season. One for the flu and another for COVID-19. And according to the CDC, now you can get both shots at the same visit. Talk to your healthcare professional or visit cdc.gov vaccines to learn more.